Hi, this is Joe and Fresh talking football. This is our first podcast of the 2011 season. We're excited that the lockout ended, um, the only casualty being the Hall of Fame game, which I really don't care at all. I do. Although we are glad that the preseason has gotten underway. We're excited for 10 uninterrupted years of NFL football. Doug, what are your observations here going into the NFL season? Uh, I'm ticked off about that Hall of Fame game, actually, being a Northeast Ohio guy myself in Stark County. Have you ever been to it? Well, no. But <laughs> I, I did uh, I, I, I did participate in the parade for five straight years, so thank you very much. It's it's like supposed to be one of the top five parades in the country, I've heard. Yeah, it's, it's great. Is it really huge and I don't ridiculous? Know, I, I don't know. I've never really observed it. Like I said, I've always been a participant, and when you are immersed in it, it's probably a, a bit of a different observation than if you were just on the streets waving a flag or something. So it, it's hard for me to comment. It is televised nationally, is it not? I don't know. Well, I think so. <laughs> so I've been on TV in some way, shape, or form. I bet the people in Canton are pretty ticked off that they could have just, they easily could have had it and they just didn't. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's revenue coming in to, uh, you know, let's face it, a, a part of the, the state, the country that isn't exactly used to kind of star power and uh, have I mean, that's something that people count on for every year and so yeah right. that, that hurts so yeah uh, do i live there anymore no i mean i'm, I'm comfortable here in caltown but uh you know but hey preseason's here it is here now a lot of people don't like the preseason i personally love it because hey it's football and uh, even though i don't get to see starters play there's lots of other things that, that i enjoy about the preseason can't say i have a enjoyed the new 35-yard line kickoff rule. I mean, 40% of the kickoffs are going into the end zone on a touchback, and not a lot of other people care for it either. I, uh, no, I can't think of anybody who really likes it. It's kind, it's, it's just so stupid the way that they try to make it safer by just having less of the plays. If that's your philosophy, then you should just eliminate kickoffs. I mean, well, how about you if you think about football it. then altogether? Right. It's it, it just doesn't make any sense. Just having it happen more often, the play's not any less dangerous anyway. It it doesn't add up at all. Um, a lot of people think it'll be repealed soon. Not this season, probably, but you know, in a year or something. We can only hope so. Although I will say that the Steelers' uh, kickoff coverage teams have always been terrible, and so that should be an advantage. That's actually a bonus for if you're a Steelers fan, absolutely. <laughs> or a Chargers uh, fan. Or a uh, fan of a team who doesn't have a good return game, maybe. Uh, <laughs> you just want to stick it out in the 20 and not get caught to 15. Yeah, definitely. Um, what yeah. else is going on? Well, uh, I know we've got our fantasy draft in a couple weeks here. Uh, big 12-team league, so we'll be talking about uh, that during this episode. Got my wife to get a team this year. That's going to be fun. It's interesting. She's <laughs> I, going to kick my butt this year. I know it. I was surprised she didn't join in last year just for the chance to compete against you. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody asked me, like, are you going to help her out? Are you going to help her get on the right track with her research and show her what videos to watch or what draft kits? I'm like, well, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to help her out at all. And she wouldn't even want my help. That's the funny thing about it is if I know my wife at all, she She's going to want to do this on her own, and she wants zero help from me, and uh, all the more reason for her to gloat when she does, in fact, defeat me. Yeah, and she'll form opinions quickly. She won't have trouble doing that. 
I think I'd like to talk about uh, maybe some of the players or situations that uh, maybe kind of uh, tick us off because of the insanity of, of people's opinions out there. Uh-huh. I know that we both celebrated with the Panthers drafting of Cam Newton as we both thought it was one less team to compete against for the next eight or ten years. I don't know about that. No, I, I don't celebrate that at all. I mean, I, I am sort of a uh, closet Panthers fan because my folks live in Charlotte and mm. I know that they're big into the team and sometimes I go down there and who knows if I ever go to a game but I, I, I want to see Charlotte do well and it doesn't give me any joy to see them uh, so down the dumps but uh, you know who knows there's still a lot of differences of opinion with Cam Newton I don't think that he has it all upstairs to be able to grasp the playbook. I mean, when you saw him with John Gruden on the special, <laughs> it was like, uh, it reminded me of a Chris Rock skit. You know, he's like, yeah. you ask this guy a question, he's like, ah, shit, I don't know that. I'm keeping it real. <laughs> real dumb. I mean, if this, if it's not a number or a cartoon character, is that, if that's the name of the play, here, go out and run Tony the Tiger. If he doesn't know that, I mean, he doesn't know the jargon or the lingo. He's, he's going to be lost for a very long time. And, I mean, just he's one of these guys that come out of a system that does not really rely on coaching, doesn't rely on fundamentals, but just a system that puts you in a position to utilize nothing but talent. And that's going to, that's always going to bite you in the rear end when you go into the NFL. I, uh, yeah, I, I really don't believe in him. Uh, it's funny how being, he is good usually at saying the right things uh, to the media and it's funny how quickly that covers up everything that uh, he's been a part of which I have nothing against the guy personally but just as uh, you know as a watcher of football I think that you know his kind of personality and history is going to lead certain places um, as a leader in the locker room and uh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, the big thing is, I guess, the simplicity. The simplicity of his offense in the past and, and what he's had to do. And, you know, I'm not, I would not be surprised to find out if, if when he does get put in there that he's going to have some modern success. Look at Tim Tebow last year. Look at all the bad mechanics. Is he going to be able to grasp the pro-style system, dropping back under center, all these... Uh, all these uh, adaptations that he's going to have to have for his game. He comes in... And he actually does pretty well, too. Now, this year, if he happens to get in there again, which we can talk a little bit more about that uh, if you want. But I think teams will figure guys like that out. I mean, you're always going to be able to come in and put these athletic quarterbacks in. They're going to have some moderate success. But sooner or later, uh, defenses are going to be able to catch up to them. Long-term success is not really uh, something I would hang my hat on. So I think we could see the same thing with Cam Newton if he does, in fact, end up starting week one. I think with, uh, right, I guess that's hard to say. Still, at this point, a couple more weeks early. preseason, maybe even three, three games for most teams. It's, I really find the Tim Tebow situation interesting with I love it. John Fox going over to Denver. And from the outside, it looks kind of like he and his people have gone over there and kind of been like, uh, this guy can't play, and, <laughs> and they're not totally saying it out loud, and it's like they were going to trade Kyle Orton, uh, but it sort of fell through, and then as soon as that happened, it kind of became like, of course, there's no chance they're going to start Tim Tebow. 
Uh, I really appreciate Merrill Hodge has been a guy <laughs> who's kind of come out and just base. He's kind of you know going on Twitter with all caps and exclamation points. Yeah, he, and he's kind of I think sees himself as the kid declaring that the emperor has no clothes on and like. You know, he's just kind of uh, crazed about it. Like, how can no one see this? He has no shot at all. Um, and him being a film guy, uh, you know, he, he, he has a lot of, you know, reason to be saying that. And he's really studied it. It's... <laughs> I, and I, I just think it's validated by the way the situation has gone this preseason and Tebow kind of on the outside looking in. They say he's even competing with Brady Quinn. With Brady Quinn. I mean, how bad is that? I mean, I, look, I I think that's a little bit of media sensationalism right there. I think that some of the, some of the media are just loving to have some fun and just really make this whole story more dramatic than it might be. I mean, trust me, Brady Quinn's beating out nobody for a job. Yeah, that's some assistant coach who told a, a reporter, like, oh, I think Brady Quinn's better. And, and who knows, that might have been thrown out there uh, to get Tim Tebow to, to, to spur him on and to motivate him to light a fire under his rear. I mean, who knows. Uh, but it, it was funny because does John Fox come in, and it, did he have the plan originally to come in and make Tim Tebow his full-time starter and then to trade Kyle Orton? Because, you know, he, like you said, he comes in, he actually gets a close uh, – up close and personal look at him and it's like this guy can't play he can't play at least uh, in the way that I want him to play and so now he's stuck in this organization I, and I knew it when Josh McDaniels drafted Tim Tebow last year in the first round when they drafted him where they drafted him I said that set that franchise back <laughs> a lot of money in a lot of years because you almost feel like you're obligated to start him somewhere down the road. I mean, I'm hearing people say things like, well, if the Broncos go like 2-8 and eight with Kyle Orton as their starter, you got to start Tim Tebow just to see what he can do. And my question for you then is, is this, what is he going to show you that he hasn't already shown you? I mean, if you saw him in camp and you said this guy can't play, then what's an actual game going to end up doing for you? I think, uh, you know, really, I mean, we just talked about Cam Newton, but I would put Tim Tebow another tier down from that. I mean, not as athletic and can't throw as well. I mean, and he works really hard, but... uh, He's very physical, and and he's almost like a power back when he runs, which is going to take its toll on his body uh, eventually. And when you take that apart away from his game... I mean, I don't know. Can he stay healthy? There's all kinds of problems that you're going to have. I just don't. He, he, he doesn't have an NFL arm at all. <laughs> I don't think. I mean, less than a lot of other guys. Less than a Terrell Pryor, I'd even say. <laughs> Let's continue with uh, the quarterback topic. Because one of the, no- the other big topics this offseason was with Kevin Cobb. Uh, Kevin ah. Cobb uh, finally being traded to Arizona, pretty much what everybody expected, right? Yeah. And now... I, can't, I, I was really impressed with what Philadelphia got back there. That, yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with you. Um, but with Arizona, I think everybody's expecting this team to now go out and win that division so easily, make a playoff, uh, make a playoff spot, uh, just because now they have Kevin Cobb. What do you think about that? Um, I, I, I don't. I think Kevin Cobb seems to be living off the 
reputation that like Andy Reid really likes him or something. Um, and and maybe there's some scouts who have. He, obviously, he hasn't really proved anything in game. I don't think um, in the in the few games, very few games that he has started. His stats are awful. Yeah, they're not good. I I really don't quite get it. Um, but yet he's very sought after and an assumed starter. The thing the Cardinals have going for them, of course, is their division. Right. So I I mean, if you think about the quarterbacks in that division. Uh, he might be the best this year, you know, if, if Bradford doesn't progress. Mm-hmm. So despite the fact that I'm not impressed with him, I, I think that could still be possible. Sure. So it's You still got an elite wide receiver out there. I mean, the receiving core as a whole is pretty darn good to begin with. They got Todd Heap through free agency, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Or did they trade for him? I think it was free agency. Yeah, he was one of those guys that the Ravens cut and were hoping to sign back and yeah, they got rid of Tim Hightower, who's pretty much been an underachiever his entire career, uh, only to be replaced by another possible underachiever, Beanie Wells. Uh, <laughs> I hate to say that about one of my favorite Buckeye players ever, but uh, that that's another story. Can he stay healthy? I, I have my doubts. He's never been able to stay healthy his entire career. I guess he's. I haven't heard anything. I presume he's been healthy all all preseason so far. They like him so far. I heard things uh, good things about him coming out of camp, the preseason. It apparently looked good. I didn't see it, but uh, <laughs> man, you know, I, hey, all the best of luck to the to the Cardinals. I have nothing against them as a team. Nothing against Kevin Cobb. I just have my doubts. I, I because one of the things that I was kind of thinking about, and I texted you on, was if I'm Andy Reid, and if I really believe that Kevin Cobb is all that he's cracked up to be, all that the media has made him out to be, and quite frankly, frankly, all everything Andy Reid's made him out to be. Yeah, that's the why not thing. trade Michael Vick, because he's no spring chicken. He plays a style of quarterback that uh, is not conducive to longevity in the league. Uh, he faded out towards the end of last season. He was admittedly worn down. I mean, he, he told he would tell you himself, uh, it was worse than it looked. And so uh, why not trade Michael Vick away? You can get some team like Buffalo or Washington or some, but some dumb organization to give you a first-round pick for him like you really wanted. And the, reason, the only reason, Joe, that I can think of is that Andy Reid knows better than anybody that Kevin Cobb really isn't a starting franchise caliber quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, that's we'll the only see. reason I can think of. We'll see. You know, it was the Michael Vick situation is hard because it was hard not to become a believer last year. Um, but it, it, you know, even in before he went to prison, he would have up and down years, and. Uh, I know, you know, he never had like six touchdown performances before last year, but it with his age, man, I would I would be a little worried. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not predicting a bad year for him, but if I were a Philadelphia fan, I would just be worried. Like, can he keep this up? And for all the reasons you're talking about, too, for sure. Do you think, uh, speaking of Philadelphia, this is like the dream team everybody keeps calling them. Yeah. I uh, love to see those kind of teams fail as a fan. <laughs> I've always been a fan of teams who who have not, you know, taken that route for various reasons in, in any sport I follow. So 
I I have always rooted against those teams, and uh, you know, in my experience with that, it usually doesn't work unless you're talking about the Yankees. Um, it's it's tough. Chemistry is is tougher than it looks, you know, and it's no more real a real of a factor than in football. And you see the uh, um, the love that the the players have for the Pittsburgh locker room. And they're very careful. They don't really sign outside guys, and they almost sign all their their guys that are in the locker room already. Uh, all these guys from everywhere. You talk about like in the NBA needing you know all these games to try to get the Heat to be to build chemistry and get acclimated. And there's only 16 games, and only a few weeks before that. Uh, and a lot to more get guys. Ready. And a, a, whole, a whole lot more guys. So, a lot of noise in that division right now. The NFC East. You got the Cowboys with Jason Garrett. People are um, really starting to buy into the Cowboys now. Romo's coming back from his shoulder injury. You got two legitimate number one wide receivers. Uh, Roy Williams is gone. Felix Jones looks like he look looks like he's healthy, uh, and they're counting on him to be uh, more of a featured back this year. Uh, without Marion Barber hogging the carries. And uh, the defense, Rob Ryan, the defensive coordinator that got coming out of Cleveland, did some pretty good things there for the Browns for a, for a while. He's a really hot coordinator right now. It's going to be interesting to see them. It's going to be interesting to see the Giants. They're, they've make, been making a lot of noise as well, although albeit not very good noise. Uh, Osim and Yora and that whole contract situation, yeah. the Steve Smith mystery, uh, or... or uh, and uh, letting him go to Philadelphia. Philadelphia doesn't know what's going on with Jeremy Macklin. Nobody knows what is ailing him. He's been out since the end of last season. He's been ill. Lots of speculation about, uh, lots of stuff in the rumor mill about him possibly having HIV or AIDS or mononucleosis. I mean, I don't know what's going on there. But now Eli Manning is claiming that he's elite. He should be mentioned in the same realm of uh, Tom Brady and his brother and... Uh, Drew Brees. Just a lot of interesting things in that division. So I'm not ready to crown Philadelphia just yet. I think the Giants could be better than people think. Uh, and uh, hmm. the Cowboys are always you know, big question mark right there. They have the talent. The question is, can they put it together? Yeah, Jason Garrett intrigues me. Um, I am I'm for Tony Romo. I think, you know, he's, he's up... I, in, in my opinion, I mean, it hasn't always come to fruition, but he's up there in that second tier of, you know, guys like Eli Manning and, and Ben Roethlisberger and around there, uh, and what it, you know, however you might construct that. Uh, Jason, <coughs> Jason Garrett, new head coach. I don't, I don't know if any of these new head coaches I really see as home runs. Obviously, with uh, Harbaugh over in San Francisco was the big exciting one um that was the sexy splash uh, yeah as far as head coaching hires go <laughs> he was he was a sought after guy a lot of these guys I a lot of the other ones though i mean hugh jackson mike munchak leslie frazier i mean some of these guys are uh, uh pat Shermer. it's just a lot of these guys just seem like uh I don't know. It's almost like you you covered your eyes and threw at the dartboard and see who it landed on. Uh, I don't know. I I don't. I'm not that in tune with who the coordinators are. Um, 
I will say, uh, I've, I've looked at what um, I've been following very closely with the Browns this offseason and just uh, reading notes from camp. I uh, saw the preseason game against the Packers where the Browns beat the Packers. And uh, it really seems like there's a lot of optimism coming out of Cleveland for the first time in quite a while. Uh, and coming from people who typically aren't really all that uh, all that optimistic. I mean, you, you think of a lot of media, you think of fans, particularly in Cleveland. I mean, they're they're really they're ready to pounce on you if you sh- you know if if you just you may not necessarily be great at what you do, but as long as you didn't suck as bad as the previous guy, they're ready to crown you king. Um, uh, Andre Knott is a guy up in Cleveland who uh, had a lot of positive things to say about camp, about what he's been seeing, about the at, uh, the atmosphere. Uh, so, you know, uh, still they're not going to be a great team this year, but it, there does seem to be a lot of things, a lot of the intangible things going in the right direction. And you, watching that preseason game, I was happy to see that there is a coach who kind of seems to know what he's doing. Uh, I mean, offense wins in the NFL these days. I mean, it, it's it's all about the offense. The league is catered to offense. And now after the Browns suffering with Eric Mangini and Brian Dayball, who quite frankly don't know their rear end from a hole in the ground when it comes to offense. Well, uh, hey, they beat the Patriots in the in the uh, well with a lot of tri- with a lot of trick plays and, and, and a lot of, and a lot of good defense and special teams as well. Man, remember like uh, two months into the season last year, what were they? they were probably like four and five or something, but it was like, yeah, the Browns. It's them. They're the real team. No, and then it just I, all fell apart. It, it fell apart. I mean, I, I, I think I told you this at the time. I said you, you can't keep that up with all these trick plays, I and mean, you got to, you're going to have to come across with fundamental, fundamental play. Right. It's like they brought everything out of the bag. Exactly. And I think after that Jets uh, and Jag those Jets and Jaguars games, I think it just you look at that and like. Okay, you had a nice middle uh, middle of the season run there, and now all of a sudden you're just uh, it, it's going to hell in a handbasket. And the team's got you figured out. Peyton Hills is really happy with him. I really like watching him play. He was definitely entertaining. And uh, my 16th round pick in fantasy last year. Um, so right that you dropped, so you didn't end up with him. That I ended up dropping because I'm <laughs> stupid. Um. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting with the kind of sort of no-name head coaches like Pat Shermer, which I'm sure some people knew he was, like, you know, St. Louis fans, but uh, hardly anybody else. You don't know what they saw in him in, in order to hire him, but I guess the positive thing is that there's a few bad reasons to hire somebody that they didn't do. You know, just the fact that he's somebody we've heard of or somebody who's done it before, like a Mangini or a Wade Phillips or those kind of guys, or that, oh, he's the flashy college guy for, you know, this year, like Harbaugh or like Saban was in the past. Um, and so I guess in in some ways you can kind of hold out, or, or, oh, he was just the guy on the staff, you know, mm-hmm. so he got promoted. Like, like um, several guys, like yeah. Leslie Frazier and Hugh right. Jackson, I believe, was another guy, and uh, Jason Garrett. Yeah, so you, you don't know exactly what Holmgren sees in, in a Shermer, but you at least can have some hope that he must be an incredible leader. He must have a brilliant football mind that would come across in an interview. He's got a lot of guys. The team are really seem to be buying what he's selling. And when you have that, 
when you have the players you know, eating right out of the coach's hand, that's uh, you know, a that's a good place to be. I can think of a lot worse things to be happening in the preseason uh, for a team for uh, for a team that is, you know, typically known to be not not as talented and uh, very very young as well. Uh, looking at their the Browns schedule this year, it really doesn't look too bad. No, uh, they don't have the Jets or the Patriots. Um, wow. Yeah. They do have the Colts, but you have a lot of weaker teams. It looks like the AFC North is is playing the whole NFC West this year. So. And the AFC South. So that's a good reason to buy, you know, kind of AFC North teams to 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 buy them. What you know before yeah. the season started, people realize that. There's no advantage quite like playing the NFC North. There just isn't. Uh, NFC West. The uh, NFC West, sorry. Yeah, so I mean, so that means they've got the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Cardinals. Uh, they've also got the Bengals twice, of course, and uh, the Dolphins. So some, some teams with some really unsettled quarterback situations. Yeah. And, uh, boy, I, I, I look at the schedule, and I, I, I see at best probably 8-8. Eight and eight. At best, a lot of people are saying uh, six and uh, six and uh, nine, uh, or seven and seven and nine, or uh, six and ten. Um, I, I think they could definitely. Uh, I mean, I'm looking down the line here. Cincinnati, I think they'll sweep. Just looking at their division, Cincinnati, they'll sweep. Baltimore, yeah. I think they'll take it home. I'm waiting any day now for Baltimore to come crashing down to earth. I don't think they're that good. They have not drafted well in the recent years. Uh, Joe Flacco, very average, average Joe. Uh, but uh, I think they'll split with Baltimore. They'll get swept by Pittsburgh. They, they, they're still way away, uh, a good ways away from Pittsburgh being able to compete there. Uh, as far as like uh, the other games, I tell you one that's really winnable that uh, you might think I'm crazy. A lot of other people might think I'm crazy when I say this, but uh, September 18th at Indianapolis. Hmm. Here's why. Number one, history. Browns actually have a pretty good history of being able to <laughs> compete really well with Indianapolis, yeah, despite I being a lot less talented. I mean, they have more talent now. Uh, they would hold uh, Peyton Manning back sometimes. I remember like a 6-0 game <laughs> that the Colts won like a few years and ago. The, and the only reason why they won that it wasn't on an, on an offensive play. I think they hold the. I think the Browns held the Colts to three earned points all game. I think it was six to three. And then Joe Thomas got bull rushed. I, I don't know if it's Dwight Freeney or not, uh, but pushed him back into uh, to Derek Anderson. Derek Anderson fumbled, and it got ran in for a touchdown. And the game was uh, ten to six. I remember that game. But Peyton Manning was not effective against Cleveland whatsoever. I mean, of course, it's a different staff now, different players. But you know, I don't know. There's that aura. But Indianapolis is just a team that just does not impress me really as much as other people. I think that's a team that people look at and. They just assume like this is a great team, and that they're always going to be there. They're always going to be fantastic, and I don't know. Maybe it's because of the Peyton Manning situation with the neck and, and the injury. And the well, surgery he might there. not even be playing. That he week. might even be playing that game. And, wow, and, and the which, Brown schedule looks really nice. <laughs> in which case, you got Curtis Painter. I'm sorry, Curtis Painter stinks. That is bad. So, uh, and and you take Peyton Manning away from that team, you have nothing. You are a four-win football team, Indianapolis, at best. So I think the Browns could go easily three and zero. Tennessee, I think, could be tough. Tennessee has has, you know, a lot of talent. I don't know if Kenny Britt is going to be playing that game. 
Uh, I'm surprised we haven't been hearing about a lot of uh, all of his arrests in the off season. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, though, I, I hadn't looked at the schedule before we started this, but uh, yeah, Cleveland could be a sleeper team. I, uh, it it really depends on on uh, how Hillis does, I think, because I think McCoy at his stage of progression, it, it, you know, it's going to matter more how their running game's doing. Um, or else, you know, he's not going to be able to do anything without that, of course. But, uh, you know, if you believe in Pat Shermer, I'd say you should really believe in the Browns. Yeah, the Colts, I mean, the other factor to me is Jim Caldwell. I think a lot of times when you see the, uh, the kind of successor head coach, um, the third year is kind of the year it can crumble sometimes, um, whether it be Wade Phillips or, uh, a lot of situations like that back in the 90s or the 80s after Bill Walsh and uh, and Jimmy Johnson and guys like that. So, uh, well, Peyton Jim Manning's Caldwell. a Peyton Manning's a coach of that offense anyway, and so that's true. But Jim Caldwell is just so emotionless and uh, Mike Tomlin's detached. emotionless during the game. <laughs> no, no, not but not like Jim Caldwell. You don't even see Jim Caldwell open his mouth the whole game practically. So. I or Bill Belichick, right? Well, that's he's his own. He's his own guy. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I look at this. Um, Tennessee. I think Tennessee beats them. I think Tennessee has too much talent. Um, they'll get Chris Johnson back. Uh, Matt Hasselbeck is there. Um, they got a good up and coming tight end, Jared Cook, uh, Kenny Britt. Oakland Raiders. I think is a team uh, that I'm kind of start may, maybe to pick as a dark horse. They going with Jason Campbell again? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's I I just think that they had a pretty decent season last year. They swept their division despite not making the playoffs. And uh, Darren McFadden can stay healthy. They got a good um. They got Kevin Boss, uh, in free agency from New York, and Jason Campbell mm-hmm. does love his tight ends. They got this uh, rookie wide receiver out of Tennessee, Denarius Moore. I'm sure Brandon knows all about him. Our friend Brandon, big Tennessee Vols fan. They lost Namdi. So well, that can't help their defense. But you know, uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't help. But it, it does it cripple you. I don't know. I mean, a cornerback. I don't know how much that cripples your team. Uh, do you have a good pass rush? And they do kind of. I believe they were pretty consistent in that area. Cameron Wimbley ended up being a pretty good defensive end for them that they picked up from Cleveland. Uh, yeah, and, and they kept uh, Richard Seymour, too, haven't they? Um, so that's at Oakland. I mean, the Browns have to travel all the way to the West Coast. I like the home team at that one. Same thing with St. Louis, well, not St. Louis, but uh, with Arizona. Arizona in Arizona, um, traveling across the country. I like the home team. Houston, Texas, I think, is a loss for the Browns. I think uh, St. Louis is a loss. I mean, so I mean, there, there's some teams out there that you know typically guys might think like, well, Tennessee and Arizona, you can take those out, or Oakland. I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think there's going to be some surprises in, in, in those uh, few games that I mentioned. I mean, in in, in the division, I, I'd say it should be. Uh, I mean, to me, there's no doubt the Steelers will get that. Uh, Not a doubt. Um, I could see the Browns taking second place. I don't know. I could too. I really uh, could too. For sure. And I'm surprised to say that, but uh, I think I definitely could. I think what we definitely could say also is that the Bengals will be finishing last. Oh, man. I, I think the Bengals, 
they're in the running for worst team. Um, yeah. I don't know who else you might want to throw in there. Washington, but... <laughs> without a doubt. I think Washington, it's a, it's a lock. Washington is a lock for the worst team ever. Huh. I mean, seriously, you're going with John Beck. You're seriously going with Rex Grossman. That's a good point. Why, why doesn't Mike Shanahan just go right to the podium and say, you know, f f fans, everybody, we're tanking the season. We're going for the Andrew Luck sweepstakes. Yeah. And I can't. I, how do you explain it outside of that? I mean, is he that crazy? I mean, I, I think you and I are on the same page that Mike Shanahan is a pretty overrated coach. Um I, that's how I feel anyway. I don't know. I think he, well, definitely, and definitely in this situation. I mean, there, he, he's this plane is going down. I agree with you. <laughs> he and he, for whatever reason, hasn't had the leadership to uh, to lead. But yeah, I'd say Redskins, Bengals, uh, Dolphins, Dolphins. I, I mean, agree with you bad quarterback too. situation, bad, bad head coach situation. I mean, the whole thing last year with. Oh, we're, we're interviewing Jim Harbaugh without even firing uh, yeah. uh, um, Tony Sperano. I mean, without even firing him first. I mean, that's never a good situation. Um, I just, it, who are your stars on that team that you can definitely count on? Brandon Marshall? Reggie Bush? Who? Who are your stars on that team? You don't <laughs> have any stars on that team. There aren't any. Uh, I mean, it, Buffalo Bills has Stevie Johnson, at least. I mean, uh, Ooh, I'll at least easy. I'll at least take him and uh, oh. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Don't forget it. Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's right. My throwing fits uh, in honor of my fantasy team this year. Uh, Fred Jackson, decent running back. Um, so, yeah, and, oh, and Brad Smith, of course. Let's not forget. Now we get to see wildcat packages in, in Buffalo. <laughs> uh, Who yeah. would you uh, take in that division? Do you think the Jets could? Uh overtake i'm not a fan of the jets just because i don't like the way that they've been trying that they have been handling their offense as of late i just don't think that they've been doing enough i think uh, that offensive line just was not the same last year and opening up holes for that running game i mean that's really made the yeah, jets really true. great two years before i thought getting rid of thomas jones was a bit premature i didn't get that move i didn't get why you would get rid of one aging running back just to get another Right. Um, you didn't help out Sean Green any. I mean, a young rookie that you just kind of handled with kid gloves last year. Uh, you you had a, an average wide receiver in Braylon Edwards. You got rid of him. Um, and uh, I mean, San Antonio is still there. I just think it's very average. I don't like the I don't like Brian Schottenheimer as my offensive coordinator. I think he is just way too conservative. I think. Well, and, and this is interesting too with Mark Sanchez. Because he's been brought up in the news a lot lately. I think Mark Sanchez, I, I like him. Uh, I don't love him, I, I've, but I've <laughs> always liked him. And he always seems to play his best football when you put more pressure on him. When you say to him, go out and win me a game, he manages to make the plays that are necessary to do it. Now, is he lighting it up? Not necessarily. But I, I, it just drives me crazy that Brian Schottenheimer last year insisted that the offense revolves around LaDainian Tomlinson. Yeah, they definitely did not, you know, went out of their way not to put pressure on him last year, and sometimes it was not great results. You know, it's it's chalk, and even though I don't like the Ocho Senko move and the uh, Hainsworth move, I mean, 
it's going to be tough to beat the Patriots there. Oh, absolutely. When I you mean, think about it, they were just so elite last year. It's easy to forget with that big Jets upset in the playoffs. Jets beat them two out of three times. But, I mean, hey, they only lost one other game the whole year uh, against the Browns, against the other Ryan. So, uh, so I, I, you got to stick with the Patriots. And, and they're, they're division winners there for sure. AFC North, we said the Steelers are right. not going to have any problem. I really, you know, I it, it kills me to say this, because, uh, being the uh, traditional Browns fan growing up, but I really do look at the Steelers and just – there's a lot to like on that team. Uh, I, I really do. Uh, Roethlisberger, I do feel, is elite. Uh, they got uh, an elite running back in Rashard Mendenhall. They got some depth behind them with guys like Isaac Redmond, Mouladi Moore. Um, so they're good there. I like their young wide receivers with uh, Wallace and Antonio Brown and Emmanuel Sanders. Um, he, picking he's up Jericho Cotri was, a good, was you know, it's not a bad move. He's an upgrade over Randall L. Even though the defense is old, like people say, they do have some young elite talent in Lamar Woodley and Lawrence Timmons and the linebackers. I mean, those guys, I uh, would hardly trade them for anybody. Um, And the guys who are really old, they're not really in, you know, those kinds of positions where that matters so much. A lot of defensive linemen play well into their 30s. Uh, James Ferrier is like actually played against Mike Tomlin in college, <laughs> and uh, um, you know, but but he his role in the defense he's this middle a middle linebacker who just you know I, I think his his job is to be smart. It's not to make the plays. It's it's his job is to not screw things up. Just do your job. Yeah. Don't be a playmaker. Just go and do your job. So obviously everything for them hinges on Paul Amalu. Uh, but assuming that they can get him for, uh, you know, 12-plus games, they'll sell up that division. Well, let me, let me tell you what. I think you're getting to the point now with him where you are going to have to start to have a contingency plan with him. Uh, if you're not going to have him or you're not going to get a big production out of him, I, I don't know. Do you think it's a case where – because it's undeniable. When Paul Amalo is not there or he's not playing well, which has happened in the last two years – that defense is not as effective as as it used to be, and so are they. Are they not compensating for that fact? Do they need to kind of have a contingency and say, you know what, we've relied on this guy, but now maybe we we need to kind of tweak some things, because here is a key player, here is the heart and soul of our defense, and he's you know he's not going to be around forever for much longer anyway. Uh, here's the problem with uh, you know the philosophy of the Troy Polamalu defense is there's. You can't run the same defense without him because he's completely one of a kind. Um, and uh, the defense is really built around that fact. Their free safety, Ryan Clark, is not a real free safety. He's more of a heavy hitter. Uh, I mean, he's not big, but he basically makes big hits um, and is, has been one, you know, one of the guys who's suffering from these new rules. So, you know, he's actually not good back there in coverage because they depend on Paul Mola to go back there in coverage, even though he's also the guy that rushes the passer and that's, you know, and, the, and that's stopping the run too. And so it's, it's impossible to really have somebody come in and do what he does. I, I will say that since Lawrence Timmons at the other middle uh, inside, inside linebacker position is emerging, 
and and he is a similar kind of physical freak. I mean, he's a lot bigger than Paul Molo, of course, being a linebacker. But they are last year they started to do a lot of the same things with with him. And people don't know about him. He didn't make the Pro Bowl, uh, but I can tell you for sure he is, uh, um, you know, right up there with Harrison and Paul Molo in uh, skill coming into this year and, and especially my expectations. So that's one thing. They're starting to use him in that kind of multi-role, drop back deep, brush the pass, or do everything kind of guy. Maybe with that they can start to compensate, but that's the problem in the past has been there's there's nothing you can do. And and Palomalu probably makes a lot of those other players look better than they are, obviously, especially, especially the rest of the secondary would be the, the main thing. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it it that's probably part of the problem too. Is that the rest of the secondary is just not good, even though they look good when he's there. So it, you know, you replace him, that happens. But you, you know, you gotta you can't count on injuries unless you're talking about Bob Sanders. So uh, you you know, I I have to figure they'll get ten to twelve games anyway. I I will assume he'll be injured for a few games, but hopefully it's early and not late. Let's let's tear through the rest of these like well, AFC South. That's the interesting one, really interesting. Um, when when are the Texans gonna finally <laughs> rise up? And they're kind of like the Cowboys in a way, uh, ASC version. Uh, like they got got a lot of talent, coaching a lot of frustration with that. Uh, I mean, when, it's amazing that Gary Kubiak has dodged the bullet so many times. Um, but you know, you have a you have a pretty good quarterback in Matt Schaub. You have an elite running game right now. You have an elite wide receiver, the best wide receiver arguably in the game. Um, yeah. So I mean, I mean, and it's been it's been defense. Do you think that they're going to be able to finally put it together now with Wade Phillips installing his system in there? You know, their problem in the past a lot and in a lot of ways has just been Indianapolis. I mean, I really it took them like nine or ten tries just to beat Indianapolis when they first came into the league. Um, and, uh, you know, as they've always kind of been this supposedly emerging team, they, uh, you know, one of the unsaid things is, well, how can you win the division when you have Indianapolis who went 12-4 and four or better for like seven or eight straight years? Uh, and, and, but last year they finally started to fade and, and it even reflected in their record. And now you would expect even more since... Peyton Manning is maybe getting a little more fragile, is having neck problems and and uh, things like that. So, um, I think it's very possible. I mean, uh, who knows? It depends. It all depends on Manning. Uh, let's see. What, what were the other uh, AFC AFC West? AFC West. That's I, I got to go with the Chargers, and that is so. Once again, that's just the ex, kind of the expected thing, but. They really did have a great offense and a great defense last year and a historically bad special teams. Um, what scares me there is North Turner, but I really like Todd Haley even less, so what can I do? Uh, I guess you could go with the Dark Horse and pick the Raiders, um, but uh, I'm gonna go, I'd am gonna go. i go with the Chargers there. And, uh, Until you yeah. see otherwise, it probably, probably makes a lot of sense to go with San Diego. Um, I think I would say the Texans in the South, you know, really looking at it. I don't know if you'd consider the Titans, but... Uh, I'm not going to consider the Titans, just, uh, I don't know. I, um, Matt Hasselbeck cannot stay healthy, and behind him is Jake Locker, who, you know, 
there's another guy like quarterback that we can talk about that just you know a lot of hype and in, in the draft there were just so many overdraft drafted quarterbacks in that draft. I mean Cam Newton, Jake Locke, or Christian Ponder, Blaine Gabbert to me was, it was it, comical. Who I've seen who, I, who I've seen play Blaine Gabbert is the worst quarterback I've ever seen taken in the first round. I was just started laughing eventually as these guys kept coming off the board and like. All we had heard all year was, this really isn't an elite quarterback class. Oh, it's horrible. And yet, we had more first-round quarterbacks than right. ever. Right, right. I mean, that speaks to the necessity <laughs> of the position. It is just so thin. And the desperation of teams, too. And, and, and I, it's a real conundrum, I think, in football in general, where in the NFL, you have to have that piece. You have to have that quarterback. It's a quarterback-driven league, a quarterback-driven game, and yet, on the other uh, other side of that, in the college game, they're revolving all their offenses around a, a system that is not very conducive to the quarterback play in the NFL. Too many spread uh, formations, too many spread offenses, five wide receiver sets, too many systems where they don't know the jargon, can't grasp the playbook in the NFL, and it rely more on their own athleticism, making plays of their feet, these running quarterbacks coming out. So... It's it is a real conundrum uh, in football these days. Uh, let's see. What about uh, let's go to the NFC now. NFC East. Yeah, boy. Oh, hold on. Before you do that, I will say wild cards in the AFC. I think the Browns can do it. No, I think it's possible. no. I don't. I, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna go there. I, I I will say wild cards. I mean, there's a handful of teams I think that could do it. Um, Baltimore, I think. Is going to be well. I don't know. Not a wild card. Again, the the schedule is so soft. I mean, Baltimore. I could see going to the playoffs, and they're they're a first round, second round elimination. They're not getting back to the AFC Championship again. Um, uh, let's see, Texans. Um, I mean Tennessee. I don't know Tennessee. No. I mean, there's the Jets. I would say Browns and the Jets. Unfortunately, I mean, I really dislike the Jets, but. <laughs> from <coughs> from a fan standpoint, but uh, you know, I'd have to guess that uh, they'd be the team. But I'm declaring it now: Browns wild card. All right, we'll see. <laughs> Hasn't happened since when? O two. O two. Yeah, yeah, there you go. All right, uh, going on to the NFC. NFC East. Kelly Holcomb. This is a tough one uh, for me. Uh, it's definitely not Washington. I. I don't know. I think the Giants are better than people think. Um, I, I'd say Dallas, man. I, I uh, believe in Tony Romo. I think it's going to be tougher in Philly than they think. I'll, I'll say Dallas there. Explosive offense, new defensive coordinator. Maybe he can get things going there, Rob Ryan. NFC North, um, let's just say the Packers all the way. Uh, people are looking for Detroit to make a wild card spot. Uh not when you hate your quarterback. Uh, not when you refuse to protect him. Not when you refuse to surround him with quality offensive linemen. And they're paying for it now. Uh, I think Jeff Bacchus is he's hurt. And his backup is hurt. They're going with basically any guy they can find off of the street to protect uh, Corky. Uh, it's funny. The Packers were 10-6 and six last year and snuck in. and But, I mean... What did they lose, like, every game by six points or less? I mean, they just got, you can argue clutch, but, I mean, there's no doubt they got kind of unlucky last year. I, they are, uh, it's, 
obviously they're the defending champ, so it's common to say, but they're one of the elite teams right now in the NFL. And last year they did what they did with a lot of people hurt, Jermichael Finley, yeah. their stud tight end, without Ryan Grant, as you are having him on your fantasy team last year. We're all too aware. Yes. Um, I mean, who else? Charles Woodson didn't play for the entire half of the uh, second half of the Super Bowl. Some line, offensive linemen, too. So. Offensive linemen were hurt. Uh, let's see. NFC South. Boy, this is I, I, this is almost like the East. Yeah. You look at New Orleans, and uh, you think of Drew Brees and you know, Super Bowl two years ago, but I have a lot of questions with them. Their receivers cannot stay healthy. Uh, Tampa Bay, Josh Freeman has emerged as a guy who is just, you know, he just uh, kind of took off last year. I like Josh Freeman. I do too. Cannon of an arm, really athletic. Uh, I don't know if, uh, I don't know. I, I want to see him do it again uh, before I really start to buy in. They could very well push New Orleans for, uh, or, or, or Atlanta. Uh, last year Atlanta ended up winning it, right? Not not New Orleans? Right. New Orleans was a wild card spot, and Atlanta, uh, I mean, they were just phenomenal. I think they were like uh, 12 and 4. That's or, right. Or yeah. better. And they were a number one seed in the playoffs, but uh, yeah. uh, they ran out of steam. I just don't think that they had enough on offense, not enough weapons. Roddy White, as good as he is, Matt Ryan, as good as he is, Michael Turner. I mean, your next best threat was uh, Michael Jenkins, and that, that's just not going to cut it. Julio Jones, I'm hearing a lot of good things about him. Uh, obviously, the the Falcons believed in him to trade up all the way from number twenty seven to number six in the draft right. to take him, and they gave up a lot. So I mean, they they must believe in him a lot, and they must have big plans for him in this offense. So um, it's hard to say that you you definitely can't like Atlanta any worse than last year. Well, although I will say this, they really got rocked by Aaron Rodgers in that playoff game. I mean, he really embarrassed them. Um, I guess it, they, you know, it slowed down in the second half, but you know, I wonder if, if it just looked pretty easy. It looked like a lot of easy slants, and um, obviously the Packers are as good at that as as anybody. But eh, I don't know. I, I I believe in the Saints in that division myself. That'll be interesting. Marcus Colston, Robert Meacham, guys can't stay healthy. They're gonna have to rely on Lance Moore and. Uh, Second-year tight end, former basketball player out of Miami, Jimmy Graham uh, on that team. Mark Ingram, of course, they drafted in the first round. Uh, I like Mark Ingram, so I I like the Saints a lot. But I don't know. I think it's a three-way horse right now. That's a tough, tough division right now. The NFC looks deep. The NFC looks, I I don't know about the top teams, but the NFC looks deeper than the AFC. I think I might have to agree with that. Because... We're looking at like AFC wildcard teams, and we're like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> Nothing, anybody, nobody that really overwhelms you. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a lot of conventional wisdom is going to like Baltimore more than we do. But, uh, you know, even so, it's kind of, yeah. But this, uh, these uh, East, North, and South in the NFC are, are actually, you know, I'd, I might put them as the three most interesting divisions this year to be following, uh, especially if. If the Lions can look like they've improved even a little more here, I mean, if they could keep Matthew Stafford healthy for 16 games, I mean, the Lions would be. <laughs> uh, can you imagine how fun that would be to watch? I mean, I I, I don't want to see Matthew Stafford get hurt, but 
the guy is so injury prone. I now I hear he's bulked up. I hear he's got, got gained a lot of weight. Hopefully, it's the good kind of weight. Right. I'm assuming <laughs> that it is. in his head. Hopefully. Uh, right. Uh, so I mean. I, I still, even still, I don't think that they're going to be ready to uh, be able to compete with, uh, to steal any games away from from Green Bay. The West, um, I, I Arizona's a sexy team right now. Do not sleep on the Rams, though. Uh, yeah. I think with the addition of Josh McDaniels. Uh, Man, most, they really were close last year. What's that? They really were close to a division last year. They should have, they should have won that division. I mean, uh Steven Jackson, I think he's still got some good tread left on the tires. They've been adding some pieces. They brought in Mike Sims Walker. Um, they drafted a, what looks like a really good rookie tight end out of Wisconsin, Lance Kendricks. So I, I think you put all those together. You got a, you added a defensive end and Robert Quinn out of North Carolina. Everyone was saying that he was the elite pass rusher of this last draft. Hey, who knows? Um, you know, it is a weak division. That's down in Arizona and St. Louis. Um, it's, it's, again, I'm not a big believer in Kevin Cobb, so I'm going to have to go out and, yeah. and say St. Louis on that. I, I think I'd agree with you. It's Thinking back, it's so ridiculous that Seattle won a playoff game last year. Uh, they, <laughs> I feel like going back and watching that game and it, just marveling at it because if you look at their net points last year, they finished 7-9. and nine. <laughs> They had negative 97 net points. They allowed 97 more points than they scored. Uh, they were just getting blown out week after week, and then they would they won those seven games. Are they so close? Um, I guess that goes to show you that sometimes in the NFL there's just a big upset and there's no explaining it. But the thing about it is it probably makes Pete Carroll think that, yes, the plan is working. It's perfect. <laughs> you know, I look at Seattle, and you mentioned the word plan. I, there's a scene in the movie Apocalypse Now where, you know, Martin Sheen is sent into the jungle to retrieve Bar Marlon Brando, a crazy colonel, and because his methods are unsound, and he's leading a cult there, and, you know, <laughs> and, and he gets captured by Brando, and Marlon Brando asks him, he's like, do you think my methods are unsound? And he responds, I see no method, sir. <laughs> that's how I feel like with teams like Seattle and Washington like are their methods unsound I'm like I don't see any methods I don't see a plan what plan there's no plan I, I'm really convinced your front office is filled with apes pushing a bunch of buttons making a bunch of phone calls <laughs> uh, anyway I, that's kind of a little diversion a little rant there yeah sorry no no that's it for wild cards I mean Look to the south. Look to the it's, east. It's uh, I, think, I think I think it's, I think it's coming from the east. Um, That's going to be a, like a ten to twelve team race for those spots. It really is. It's I mean, it's going to be it's going to be down to week sixteen. Yeah, with that with the NFC Out, outside of the Redskins and uh, you know the Panthers for sure. A couple other teams. Obviously, there's there'll be a, there'll be a team or two that'll surprise you and will bomb big time. But. Uh, you know, yeah, I think it's going to be 10 to 12 teams that are in this the last few weeks in the NFC. It's going to be the, the more fun conference to watch, I think. Yeah. I, I could really see these AFC teams really separating, especially the Steelers and the, and the, Patriots. And the Patriots. I mean, come on. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's, let's just, can we just set it up right there? That's going to be the AFC championship game. Steelers, Patriots. Can we, can, I, can we call that right now? It's funny because... 
people sort of, you know, talk about parody uh, in the NFL, and then they reminisce about the 70s when you had, you know, the dominant teams of the Steelers and the Cowboys and the Raiders. But really, the past 10 years or so, it's pretty much been that in the NFL between the Steelers and the Colts and the Patriots. Uh, of course, you have random teams win the Super Bowl, but just from year to year, you know who's going to be good, uh, who's who the real elite teams are going to be. I, I mean, there's a lot of question marks in between, but there probably always have been. Um, you know, I and I would say, from my perspective, even the Chargers too. Uh, if the, if they don't start, you know, one and four. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. You'll know. I mean, I'll know if I'm wrong about that within the first month. But uh, you know, I I think they'll be. Um, they could be running away with it too. It might not be too interesting in the AFC. Although the Browns will be an exciting team up and comers. So. Yeah, I yeah I, I agree with that. I I think that they'll be a lot of fun to watch this year. Um, I I think from from what I've been hearing that there. Are, Colt McCoy uh, looks good. Uh, I don't know. There's a good vibe coming out of there. They'll be fun to watch. I just don't think they're competitors. I mean, they're not. They're, I mean, they'll be competitive, but are they a team to say, oh, here, here's a playoff watch right now? I, I don't think so. I think by week eight, you know, it'll be pretty clear. I mean, which, hey, in their case, it's pretty darn good. Um, so, but that's your prediction. I disagree. I don't know. You're kind of you're you're always good on your predictions, though. What do you say? Do you, you are you up to talking a little fantasy or? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, man, but but even before that, I just wanted to mention, it's I can't believe how addictive the NFL is because they uh, you know, we didn't have it quote unquote. Of course, we didn't really miss any real games, but we're also happy to have it back, and I've. I'm thinking, you know, oh, any less time I can spend watching sports is probably good for me. But I know as I looked at the week one schedule a few weeks ago, I was like, this is ridiculous. Um, in fact, let me just bring it up here. I mean, Pittsburgh, Baltimore in week one. Great. It's not even right. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, I have no other choice except to put everything aside to watch that game. Um, Indianapolis, Houston. I've and I saw that San Diego uh, matchup against. I mean, it was kind New of York, odd. New York Jets against Minnesota. No, against Minnesota, and I thought, Minnesota. gee, I'd like to watch that. That'd be interesting. Really? To see if uh, you know if they're totally still a, as much of a mess as they are, or even if they are, San Diego is probably gonna you know blow it in Week One anyway. Uh, it's just a lot of matchups I'd like to see. Uh, for at, sure. Atlanta at Chicago will be interesting. Philadelphia, St. Louis, Detroit, Tampa Bay. Uh, that Sunday night game will be a lot of fun. Dallas and, and New York. In fact, Monday night games are a little lame, but <laughs> New England at Miami and Oakland at Denver. You got two Monday nights? Yeah, they do, they do that on the opening week. They do a real late night one. It's always a, a uh, pair of West Coast teams. Boy, Oakland and Denver, you don't want to stay up to watch that one at 10-15? Oh, it seems like Oakland's in the... Well, I think last year it was like Arizona, San Francisco, so... Oh, my God. <laughs> Put the gun in my mouth. It's matchups. I think it's like, you know, it's week one. It doesn't matter. We can 
we can put them on prime time. And the only reason why watch. you would watch those games is if you had guys on your fantasy team. <laughs> well, yeah, especially at ten fifteen, if you you know you're five points behind, but you have you know Michael Bush or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, fantasy. I uh, have you been pra- I, I, What what have you been doing in I, your preparation? I haven't done any mock drafts, uh, you know, but I just listen to the occasional podcast. I'll be looking forward to, to Bill Simmons doing his his podcast probably probably with a few different experts soon. That helps me prepare. Uh, there just seems to be a lot more question marks this year than previous years. How uh, so? Well, I think uh, with running backs, there's just usually you know more clear star power. Uh, I mean, I just think like last year you're going in. You have absolute faith in Chris Johnson and Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't necessarily work out that way, but going in, you know, I had a lot of confidence. Now I don't have nearly as much confidence in either of them. I was delighted to get the very first overall pick last year and pick up Chris Johnson. And this year, you know, if I'm sitting there at five or six, yeah, I'm probably taking him if he's there. But I don't really feel great about it, you know. I'm worried. I'm worried that my first-round pick... Uh, it's going to be a, a bit of a waste, and there's just a lot of guys here. Like, I don't know, you know, they could have an okay season, or they could kind of disappear, like your Frank Gore, or, or... who I took in fifth overall last year, <laughs> exactly, or your Matt Forte, or you know, a lot of, or or Ray Rice. That the who, it's just not a workhorse back kind of league anymore. That's no. the problem, and that's why they're so coveted, and that's why, and I, and I have been doing mock drafts. Let me tell you, those backs are flying off the board. <laughs> I mean, you're when you get like guys like oh, no Sean Moreno. Where was no Sean Moreno drafted last year? I mean, right. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, and, and other guys just like uh, D'Angelo Williams or Cedric Benson. Those guys are going like the first four rounds. I, I it blows my mind. I mean, I to me that to me in my head that makes my strategy to be uh, make my running backs this year maybe sort of a motley crew, sort of assembled. Make sure I get elite players at the other positions. Yes, because if you do that, you can depend on them more. Where these running backs, you're not going to be able to. Uh, I I mean I I do believe in Arian Foster, but it it. it you know, Jamal, Char- Jamal Charles should be that guy, but because of, he has a bonehead head coach, yeah. he's not. Yeah, he should be that one of those guys. Um, I think the good thing with him though is that despite that, like he is still he didn't. Eat, I mean, last year Jamal Charles didn't even lead his team with touches. Oh, Tom, Thomas Jones <laughs> well, got the most touches. The hard-headedness what? of of NFL. Head coaches is just mind-boggling sometimes. So the good thing is that Jamal Charles, I still think he's worth like a, a top pick because of that. Uh, he's a stud, and he is ultimately going to be the, the guy that to, to to he's a target guy. To, I think for sure. Uh, I mean, there it's like any other position. Where's the drop off that happens? I mean, you have your it's... your level one guys, and then there's a drop off. The level one guys, I don't know. Here's why I have Foster, yes, Peterson, yes. Charles, yes. Rice, yes. McCoy, yes. Mendenhall, stop. Yeah. I don't have Chris Johnson on that list, and I'll tell you why. It really makes me nervous. Number one, for the kind of year that he had last year, the inconsistency. Oh, yeah. And number two, 
I don't like it when a player is holding out of camp with a new head coach, with a new quarterback, and it comes out and says, I want to be paid like such and such. Now, I was all okay with him wanting to say, okay, I want to be paid more than $800,000 a year. Good for him. I agree, yeah. all right? especially at his position. But it's like the Albert Hainsworth thing. When he came out and said, I want to be the highest paid defensive tackle, I said, whoever takes him is an idiot. And sure enough, look who steps up. So I don't like him to do the, to, for, for this year unless maybe he falls to me in like the second round. Well, and that's not. And that's happen. not going to happen. So I'm perfectly fine with letting him pass and taking somebody else. Whoever you have in that second tier, I I don't really want any of those second tier guys. So if, I, if I'm near, if I'm in the first half of the, fir- of the first round, and there's a guy I really like, I'll take him. Otherwise, I'm going to wait and and pick up a ton of these, you know, third tier guys, the Peyton Hillises, um, oh, and look, even a Cedric Benson stuff. It's not the guys you get for way value. Oh, let me tell you, my friend, you're not going to get. You're not. Uh, <laughs> In my mock drafts, Peyton Hills doesn't make it past the third round. He's nowhere near a third tier. Well, people uh, are drafting Peyton Hills as a number one guy. Uh, I'm so I'm saying whoever I can get value in in that five fifth round to seventh round kind of range. Like a, I mean, and it's not like I have lots of confidence in him, not at all. But like a Cedric Benson or a Mark Ingram, guys who might be a surprise. And it's getting tougher and tougher because of the two backs and. Because of you know you have to go with unproven rookies, or you might have to go with guys who can't stay healthy. Uh, that and that, I mean I I don't know why uh, the screen I'm looking at here has Rashard Mendenhall ranked 12. I mean he is one of the few guys that is a sure thing Absolutely. To, to get you know uh, 300 carries. And, he was a uh, beast last year. And he, he you know he might not get the touchdowns, but he'll definitely get the yardage. I, I, if I can get 10 points out of that position consistently, I'm a happy man. You know, uh, it, it's going to be interesting with strategy as to how your team is built because I've, in mock drafts, unfortunately, the only thing the format you, you can seem to have is teams that are built with one quarterback yeah. that you're able to activate. Now, you and I are in the league where you're able to have one quarterback, yes, uh, and it's very similar to every other one, two running backs, two wideouts, a flex a tight end, defense kicker, but in our league, you get to have a quarterback, wide receiver, running back, tight end, flex. So you can get to t- play two quarterbacks at the same time. That is going to make a completely different draft. I, I always, when I first started fantasy, I always hated it, especially because it was in earlier, you know, it was like 10 years ago when I started doing it, and so you had all these really elite running backs. So like your whole first 15 picks would all be running backs. Uh-huh. And then, you know, it'd be like Peyton Manning, 16th. And that that's why I've always liked to play in a league where you can start two quarterbacks because in real life, the, the most important guy, they should be important on your fantasy team too. And you have to have, you know, one and a half of them basically uh, in order to, to make that a premium position. Uh, I, you know, I, I actually did a little research in our league last year and I looked over the draft. I studied the draft from last year. Um, yeah, it's sick. Uh, and I looked at the guy who won our league. You know, uh, Pit Boy Three Thousand. Pit Boy Three Thousand. John Edgar, uh, shout out to you. Um, and I looked at what he did, and I looked at what everybody else did. Everybody else took the running backs. You know what he did? Quarterback the first two rounds. Huh. He took Philip Rivers and Peyton Manning with his first two picks, <laughs> and he won the league. So I mean. 
coincidence? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, if if you do do that, you're going to suffer pretty. Uh, you're going to suffer in your other positions when you do something like that. You're going to have to be okay with suffering in talent with your running backs and maybe your wide receivers. And he did. You know, he actually ended up getting Arian Foster in like round seven. Oh, God. That son of a bitch. <laughs> so, I mean, he had the two two of the best, uh, most elite quarterbacks, and he had the biggest stud running back. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it was absolutely gross. That's, that's the thing. They were just... A lot of surprises last year from the running back position. Oh, Peyton Hills in round so, sixteen. Whenever there's a surprise, then you're never quite sure if you know that second year. You know, then they they kind of have to prove they're a real star by doing it twice in a row. You or know? if there's a guy in his third year, like look at Sean Green or Beanie Wells. I mean, those guys who they came on as rookies, they showed some flashes, they showed you a lot. And then last year, you were like, man, these guys are going to be studs, and quite the opposite. I mean, uh, Wells couldn't stay healthy. Green couldn't see the field past uh, Tomlinson. And, you know, who knows? I mean, LeGarrette Blunt could be a guy this year who played really well last year, showed a lot of flash. Um, but this year, he can completely hit the wall. Who knows? I don't know. It's uh, so risky. I, I just, the running backs are just such a big risk this year. And the wide receiver is the opposite. It seems like the position where I know those top six guys, you know, are going to put up big numbers all year and be consistent. Andre Johnson, Calvin Johnson, Roddy White, Akeem Nix, Larry Fitzgerald, Mike Wallace, and whatever Greg order Jennings. you want to put them. Yeah, Greg Jennings. I, I'm I sorry, agree. they have they have Reggie Wayne ahead of Greg Jennings. That yeah, I mean, I don't know what you're smoking. Uh, <laughs> I'm not taking Reggie Wayne before Greg Jennings. I don't know if I'm taking Mike Wallace ahead of Greg Jennings. I, I don't know. Mike Mike Wallace is good. Um, but there is a there is less of a drop off with these guys because in your second tier you got your, your Miles Austin, Vincent Jackson, um, Mike Williams, Des Bryant, and then I'd say you have your drop off, big to, uh, big drop off. With wide receivers, I always want to think of, I, right before I say their name out loud at the draft. I think one more time about who their quarterback is. Yep, you got to. Uh, it's a good thing because that really hurt Larry Fitzgerald last year. Oh he yeah, he was going in with uh, John Skelton or whoever the various Max Hall, Derek guys. Anderson, the the, the carousel. Oh, Derek oh, Anderson. Poop. Yeah, so I mean, that that's why uh, I would put Andre Johnson number one because he's got a guy who I mean, whatever you think of Matt Schaub, he's a fantasy stud. I mean, <laughs> he's gonna throw for a lot of yards. <laughs> yeah, um, so I, yeah, that's another position too where you know how how. How are you going to build before then? Or I mean, because you 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 want to get those guys. You want to get because if you don't get one of those top six guys, you know you're you're going to, have to be okay with being a little bit deficient in that area in yeah. your team. This year, this is a year where I want to get two wide receivers that I know are are, are going to be good. And if that means I got to scramble for running backs, I'm okay with that. Hopefully, I can get lucky. Uh, I just think. Um, yeah, I think if you can get a top wide receiver this year, you're going to really get consistently high production. So, and I, I, I don't know if I would, I don't know about Michael Vick. I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I would be cautious about him myself. I'm not, he's not on my board. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, I, I'm not taking him. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm I, not taking Peyton Manning. 
I I just need to see more before you know we got we for our draft we got a good twelve days here, so uh, hopefully we can get as much information as possible. Gotta study up. I mean, it, I I had a guy in one of my other leagues who's, who's running uh, another league that I'm in at work. He he comes up to me and says, yeah, hey, what are you doing? Uh, you want to you want to draft on like uh, the twenty first of August? <laughs> well, the first ever the first ever fantasy league I ran. <laughs> You know, it was just me and my friends. There was like eight of us. And, uh, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing. So I was like, well, you know, let's draft this day. It was like the day before the second week of preseason started. So it would be like right now. And uh, <laughs> so... How much of your roster was injured? Number number two... <laughs> I think he actually got a kind of a deal on him. My friend Nate got... Like the first pick in the second round, he picked Michael Vick, and he was like so happy. The next day, he breaks his leg. <laughs> oh. So we, I learned since then, like you gotta put that as late as you can. Yeah, I don't care <laughs> if it's the day before; that's fine. I'm okay with that. That I mean, he's just the kind of guy that, that would happen to, though. So it was pretty hilarious. Um, but ah, oh, tell you what, I'm looking forward to that draft, man. It's it's uh, it's Christmas and summer. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so much fun, <laughs> and, and I'm going to be a lot better at, the, at it this year than I was last year. <laughs> you got unlucky last year, so I was very unlucky, but I also did, but I also did very stupid things. I mean, <laughs> I and just a lot of it was just kind of ignorance. I didn't know that, uh, you know, if if double digits, ten points, if I get that out of my running back, that's not bad. And, and I, I got, what do you mean Peyton Hills only gave me, uh, my 16th round pick only got me 10 points or 11 <laughs> points. I'm dropping this guy. That doesn't seem very good to me. Well, little did, little did I know that, that that ain't too bad. And, uh, you know, I remember drafting guys like uh, Brian Hartline. And uh, <laughs> I remember listening to some podcasts. I listened to at least two podcasts that said, go out and draft Fred Taylor. He's going to have a breakout oh. year. So I drafted like Fred Taylor in like round six or seven, and uh, it, 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 no, no. And I also uh, I also drafted Kevin Cobb as my second quarterback, and I regretted that one every single week. <laughs> yeah, that didn't last too long. So. Well, hopefully we've helped you out uh, if, if you're uh, thinking about fantasy football. Uh, Hopefully we'll do this again in a couple weeks, maybe, uh, you know, between week one and week two. Uh, so uh, thanks for listening, and uh, you can listen to uh, Joe and Fresh.